When you move to a new place, your options are limited. You're most likely very different from the people surrounding you that are living there every day. You come with a new experience, a different culture, and do your best to make sense of everything around you without losing sense of who you are. Right now, we're at Catlin Gable, a small independent high school in Portland, Oregon. It's break time, and I'm asking some real-life high school students about their family history in the United States. Um, on my dad's side, my grandpa, he came from Italy, and on my mom's side, they were all Dutch immigrants. I immigrated, 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 immigrated. My grandparents came from Chicago. Uh, I don't really know. My grandparents, my parents, my mother immigrated from Ireland. My dad moved here when he was five from Tonga. My dad is a second generation immigrant from China. The history of nations is one that is mostly characterized by ethnic and racial uniformity, not diversity. Ethnically homogenous countries and societies like modern-day Japan or ancient Germanic tribes felt that they're inherently more stable and secure. What's cool about America's history is that it's an exception. It began as a republic founded by European migrants and steadily evolved into a nation defined by shared values and not just by superficial appearance. Eventually, for a short period of early American history, anyone who was willing to assume the new American persona became, well, American. The United States has always cherished itself as a melting pot, blending a diverse mix of people into one through the process of assimilation. Hi, uh, Shintaro? Yeah? Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, awesome. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, so um, my name's Shintaro. I'm a senior at Catlin Gable High School. Shiny, what is cultural assimilation? So uh, cultural assimilation is where um, a person generally in a new uh, group or, or culture, they assimilate or they kind of try to blend into that new culture. Mm. So it kind of, the process kind of involves leaving your old culture behind, which is the big problem that we're facing today. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting, like you think about why um, you feel, people feel a need to assimilate um, in the first place, especially when they're in, you, in a new culture. They just have to be careful about not losing track of who they really are or where they came from. Yeah, that balance is very hard. You know, kids in school, uh, they do it to get, like, you know, have friends, but even outside of school and jobs, they have that constant pressure to um, be normal, and that means leaving your old culture behind in many cases. Yeah, totally. Today's show, a law that laid the foundation for America's racial profile today, and stories from individuals about their experiences immigrating to the United States, on their own, for love, or against their will. I'm Amaya Marie. And I'm Shintara Davis. And you're listening to This Is Life. Act 1, let's talk about history. So the history of multiracialism and multiculturalism in this country is not one of perfect tranquility. And uh, it's a history of discord, violence, chaos, and implosions. Yeah, um, and that started with the Act of 1965. Yeah, so uh, the Immigration Responsibility Act um, came into effect in 1965, and because of it, immigration sharply increased and diversified. In retrospect, this immigration policy can almost be seen as an extension of the civil rights movements of the 60s in the decades following World War II. 
So,、um, the idea behind the law was a family reunification,、hmm. which enabled family members of citizens to legally come over to the states. The law also ended a race based quota system that was designed to allow for legal discrimination of certain races, primarily Asians and Europeans. Yeah, and, and in fact, much of the sweeping impact from the 1965 Act ended in unintended consequences. This bill that we will sign today is not a revolutionary bill. It does not affect the lives of millions. It will not reshape the structure of our daily lives or really add importantly to either our wealth or our power. The voice you're hearing right now is the voice of President Lyndon B. Johnson, who signed the 1965 Immigration and Nationality Act. Despite his predictions in this speech, the measure had a profound impact on the flow of immigrants to the United States, and in only a matter of years, transformed the entire U.S. demographic profile. The number of new lawful residents, or、uh, green card holders, rose from 297,000 in 1965 to an average of about 1 million each year since the mid 2000s. Accordingly, as estimated by a new study from the Pew Research Center Hispanic Trends Project, the foreign born population has risen from 9.6 million in 1965 to a record high of 45 million in 2015. So,、uh, a just quick note for you guys who are listening.、Um, in 1965, immigration accounted for just 5% of the U.S. population. Now it's 2017, and immigrants now comprise almost 14%. Act 2 A Mexican immigrant who has been living in the U.S. for the past 24 years. It was the middle of the day, and it was during an after work rush at her small business tienda located at a shopping alcove right off the highway. She's middle aged, short, and bubbly. When we arrived, Maria didn't want to be on film, but she was very eager to share her story. When Maria Garcia was a young teenager, she crossed the border into the United States. Initially visiting just out of curiosity, she quickly found work at a trash bag factory where she would work 12 hour night shifts. She decided to stay. We spoke with her with the help of Aline Garcia because she's more comfortable talking about herself in Spanish. So she came to, to get to know the states. Like her brothers were here, her siblings were here. And so she just kind of wanted to see what was what. And she said, Oh, I'll just go for a year and come back. And then when she got here, two days after she got here, the phone rang that they needed somebody to work at this factory. And then her sister said, You're not going to be able to do this. Like it's a 12 hour job and it's all night. And she was like, I'm going to do it. In California, Maria eventually met a man, a fellow immigrant actually. They fell in love and had two kids who they would eventually put through college, both of whom are now married and work government jobs. Her daughter is a police officer, and her son is a pilot. A couple years ago, Maria's kids finally succeeded in convincing her to get her papers. They filed a petition for citizenship, sponsoring her under the Family Reunification Act. What we really talked to Maria about is how she came over. Maria was, in fact, initially an illegal and undocumented immigrant. Even before the current buildup of border enforcement, migrants would travel to the U.S. border region and attempt to cross, typically assisted by a guide or smuggler, known as a coyote. These smugglers require partial or full payment up front. Yeah.、Um... 
that's that additional fee is big, and um, they actually have to pay that fee a second time or as many times as they need to because when they pay once, they're allowed three attempts, and、mm. after those three attempts, they have to pay the、uh, drug lords again, and so the cost keeps building up and up. The share of migrants using smugglers has increased from about 80% in 1990 to roughly 90% today. Smuggling prices have risen in inflation adjusted terms. Maria said that at the time, she had paid $250, which is about $500 today, and in 2017, it's about $5,000 to enlist a coyote's services. These prices also vary by region and mode. Anecdotal accounts indicate that crossing into the United States by boat is about two to three times as expensive as crossing by land. Yeah, so an undocumented crossing can result in three different outcomes、uh, other than turning back to Mexico. So, the first possibility some undocumented crossers succeed in eluding U.S. Border Patrol and become part of the unauthorized population. Death is another possible outcome. Typically, due to exposure to extreme hot or cold temperatures and dehydration. In the recent years, death at the border has actually increased as more migrants attempt to cross through desolate parts of the Arizona desert and remote parts of Texas, attempting to circumvent the growing number of、mm-hmm. U.S. Border Patrol checkpoints.、Mm-hmm. And usually, those checkpoints are located along highways in Arizona and Texas. So, a lot of the circumvention happens by people walking miles and miles through、um, Arizona deserts. Maria was actually lucky. She got to,、um, after she crossed the highway, which is like the border,、um, she actually got into a car and drove all the way to the US. But、uh, many、uh, other crossers,、um, they have to walk all the way. And、um, it takes three days to cross the desert. I mean, three days with only the stuff on your back. No wonder death is a big possibility. Of course, the、uh, last outcome is. You get stopped by US Border Patrol or other federal law enforcement body, and you don't get past one of these checkpoints. At which point, the migrant is fingerprinted, photographed, identified, and then returned to their homeland. After they're released, a lot of these immigrants who attempted to cross into the US are traumatized by their experience. They may be deterred from attempting to cross again, or they may attempt re entry later on, in which case, they may actually succeed and join the unauthorized population, or they'll be apprehended again and Even die. Before, when you get caught by the Border Patrol, you would be asked a name, and you can just tell them that name,、uh, tell them a fake name, and、um, they'll let you go, and there was virtually no way to get caught. But now,、um, the Border Patrol can catch you, and then they can detain you. So there's a lot more consequences to failing that attempt. Yeah, it was fascinating to hear、um, Maria's perspective. We did get a chance to talk to her a little bit about how she thought the immigration process was going today. And she did talk about how it is a lot harder to get through immigration now than it was, let's say, like a decade ago when you could just keep driving along the highway and trying different parts of the border to get through. Her words are very powerful.、Um, she came to the US without pretty much. Anything, and、um, she got a job working 12 hours a night, and、um, she worked hard and got her two、uh, children to, through college, and now they're working at good middle class paying jobs. But、um, just her saying, We Americans are wasting our free education, 
it just really tells us about how, how our society is kind of just letting this great opportunity go to waste.